Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. afternoon ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Oceana Gold 2020 fourth quarter results and investor day webcast and conference call. At this time all lines are in the listen only mode but following the presentation we will conduct a question and answer session and if at any time during this call you require immediate assistance please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on Thursday February 18th at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And I would like to turn the conference over to Sam Pazuki. Please go ahead. Thank you, Sylvie. Uh, good evening, good morning, and welcome to Oceana Gold's 2020 results and Investor Day webcast and conference call. I am Sam Pazuki, Senior Vice President of Corporate Development for Oceana Gold. I am joined today by members of the management team, including Michael Holmes, President and CEO, Scott McQueen, Chief Financial Officer, Sharon Flynn, EBP Sustainability, Jim Whitaker, Executive General Manager of the Hale Operations, David Way, Executive General Manager of New Zealand and Philippine Operations, Craig Fevery, EVP Exploration, and Mark Cazzo, Chief Development Officer. Before we proceed, note that the references in this presentation adhere to international financial reporting standards and all financial figures are denominated in US dollars unless otherwise stated. Also note that the presentation contains forward-looking statements, which by their very nature are subject to some degree of uncertainty. There can be no assurances that our forward-looking statements will prove to be accurate as future results and events could differ materially. I, I refer you to the disclaimers on the forward-looking statements in our presentation. I'll now turn it over to Michael Holmes, President and CEO of Oceana Gold. Michael. Thank you, Sam, and good evening, good morning to all. I hope everyone is staying healthy and thanks for joining us today to review our 2020 results and outlook for the company. Turning to slide three, delivering on our commitments is our mandate. This includes executing on our operating plans, making prudent investments and being a responsible gold mining company. We are excited about our future and our long-term vision for shareholders. And this chart says it all. Increasing gold production, lowering costs, and growing margins and excess free cash flows. We expect to bring online three new underground mines and expand our existing open pit operations, all in geopolitical stable jurisdictions. What's also very exciting about this chart is that we have a significant upside potential as our game-changing prospect near Waihee, Barakiraponga, deposit known as WKP, is just outside this five-year plan, and we are looking at opportunities to bring it into this plan. Additionally, we have made good progress at the DPO and are committed to restarting the operations once the FTAA renewal is finalised, and thus bringing it into the plan. These two potentials are not included in this outlook. More on all of this later. Turning to slide four, and before we jump into the outlook, we reflect on 2020, 
where we ended the year with a series of positive outcomes and developments. We achieved several of our key initiatives while navigating an operating environment complicated by the effects of a global pandemic. To ensure we stayed on track to deliver on our commitments both in the near term and the long term. We delivered on our revised guidance with HAL, delivering an exceptional fourth quarter despite managing the ongoing external factors. WAHI processing restarted at the end of the year and we announced a couple of days ago we achieved first gold production at Martha Underground, which continues to ramp up nicely. Adding to an already robust fourth quarter, we hit key milestones for our growth projects throughout the year and successfully strengthened our balance sheet to ensure delivery of our projects on optimal timelines, irrespective of the DPO status. Moving on to slide five. The health and safety of our workforce is paramount and we continue to drive a strong safety culture across our organisation. Although our health and safety record is one of the best in the industry, we strive to do even better. The COVID-19 global pandemic impacted all of us personally and professionally. And I commend our team for their agility and commitment to safety to the extent that it was in our control. Our protocols kept our workers safe while on site. And we will continue to have these stringent safeguards in place for the remainder of the year. I'll now turn it over to Scott, who will go through the 2020 results overview. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Michael, and hello, everyone. As Michael said, the next few slides summarise our fourth quarter and full year 2020 financial results. Pleasingly, the fourth quarter was our strongest quarter of the year, delivering approximately one third of our full year production at the lowest cost. Higher gold sales from both Hale and McRae's, combined with the resumption of production at Waihi, delivered $169 million in revenue and $61 million in EBITDA in the fourth quarter, more than four times that recorded in the preceding quarter. For the full year, just over 310,000 ounces sold, combined with a higher average annual gold price, generated just over $500 million in revenue and $130 million in EBITDA. DPO transitioned to a state of operational standby during the quarter, reducing holding costs materially. During 2020, we did incur 36 million, including 9 million in the first, fourth quarter, to restructure the DPO workforce and maintain the asset in a state, optimal state, where we continue to progress the renewal of the FTAA. A net profit was recorded in the fourth quarter despite long cash headwinds including unrealised currency translation losses and some charges reflecting enhancements to our final rehabilitation plans at Reefton. However, based on the results for the first three quarters, on the full year we recorded a net loss of $150 million, which included the aforementioned DiDipio holding costs plus the $80 million impairment charge previously recognised. Small negative operating cash flow reported in the fourth quarter largely reflects the reversing impact of the 36,000 ounces physically delivered into the gold prepay arrangement during the quarter, along with an $18 million tax payment in respect of our New Zealand operations. That said, the full year operating cash flow of $199 million 
was relatively unchanged year on year. Investing cash flows reflected the capital plan for the year, with a decrease year on year primarily due to lower capital spend at the BPO, plus the sales of non-core equity investments and other surplus assets undertaken to enhance liquidity in 2020. Cash from financing reflects the 50 million debt drawdown in the first quarter and the proceeds from the issuance of shares settled in the fourth quarter, both net of finance lease activities. Turning to slide seven and our capital investments. Our 2020 capital investment program focused on progressing our organic growth pipeline. Fourth quarter capital expenditure totaled 72 million well over half of which was allocated to growth investments, including 36 million for TSF and PAC infrastructure as part of the Hale expansion, and 16 million at Waihee, where Martha Underground development continued, totaling 2,300 metres during the quarter. For the full year, growth capital investment totaled 150 million, and this was primarily divided between the aforementioned growth initiatives at Hale and Waihee. Exploration spend totaled 23 million for the full year. The major focus being the Waihi district, where 28,000 metres of infill and extensional drilling were completed during the year and continued to yield very strong results. Turning to slide eight, which provides a snapshot of our balance sheet. As at December 31, our total available liquidity was 229 million, including 179 million in cash while net debt stood at 134 million. As previously discussed, we've been actively managing our liquidity in response to the suspension of operations at the DPO, as well as the near-term risks associated with the COVID-19 pandemic. In 2020, this included executing the gold prepay arrangements to reprofile and better align operating cash flow with our near-term growth plan, the well-supported equity raise, and finally in December, the refinance of our revolving credit facility, which increased to 250 million, with the maturity extended from 2021 out until December 2024. After having taken these steps, we believe we can now move forward with confidence and commitment to deliver our promising value-enhancing growth projects, while at the same time retaining their full value and optionality in the hands of the shareholders. For the near term, we are prioritising the reinvestment of cash flow into our high margin growth projects, which we believe represent highly attractive investment returns and will drive long term sustained value for shareholders. As we move through this period of investment and as our production margins increase, the forecast will shift to allocating free cash flow to shareholders and debt. I'll now turn the presentation over to Michael, who will provide additional detail on the company's short term and longer term outlook. Thanks, Scott. And moving on to slide nine. We're excited about our five-year plan and beyond. We are working diligently to drive shareholder value by investing in what we believe to be one of the best organic growth opportunities in the industry. The acquisitions we made at the low point of the gold cycle have allowed us to focus internally to drive value. As Scott just stated, our ability to drive long-term value for shareholders is predicated on the prudent capital allocation and maintaining the optimal balance sheet structure to fund our organic growth. Turning to slide 10, the drive for long-term sustainable value for shareholders 
is underpinned by excellence in ESG performance and our responsible mining practices. Delivering on our commitments is a core value for Oceana Gold. And for us, that means achieving our 2021 guidance, as well as progressing organic growth on budget and on time. In addition, restarting the DPO remains a key focus for our team. Through the 2020 festive holiday period, we had several meetings with the Philippine government agencies upon the direction of the president to finalise terms related to the FTA renewal. The discussions were very productive and we remain cautiously optimistic of re-endorsement to the president for approval. Before we go into the details of our 2021 expectations, Sharon Flynn, our EVP of sustainability, will take, briefly take you through our top rated ESG performance and focus. Sharon has over 20 years of experience designing and implementing sustainability strategies with global companies. Thank you, Sharon. Thanks, Michael, and hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here to discuss the subject that I've dedicated my career to. Turning to slide 11, we have operated a responsible business for the last 30 years by applying robust ESG practices across the company. And this year, we will continue to advance key initiatives to keep us at the forefront of best practice globally. These key areas include climate change, biodiversity, human rights, and the responsible gold mining principles. We are progressing our approach to climate change with the development of work plans and targets related to this very pressing global issue. This includes our commitment to publicly report on our climate change work in line with the task force on climate-related financial disclosures, otherwise known as TCFD, by the end of 2022. This year, we are working to establish interim 2030 targets with a focus on decarbonizing mine production, clean energy and offsets, energy efficiency, and physical risk assessments to identify the impact of climate change on our land, biodiversity assets, and infrastructure. Implementation of our biodiversity standards is a key focus for us. In 2021, operations will establish biodiversity baselines and management approaches consistent with our corporate standards which commits to no net loss in areas of natural habitat and net gain in areas with critical habitat. In line with our human rights policy and global best practice, we are assessing how we respect and protect human rights across our operations in the Philippines, New Zealand, and the United States. These assessments will be finalized in Q1, and we will report the results in our 2020 sustainability report and on our website. At the end of 2020, we received assurance on our first phase of compliance with the World Gold Council's Responsible Gold Mining Principles. In 2021, we will continue to progress towards the goal of 100% compliance by the end of 2022. Our progress and compliance will be externally assured at the corporate level and the asset level. Our overall ESG performance has been recognized by the major ESG ratings agencies. And most recently, we maintained our A rating with the MSCI and an outperformer ranking by Sustainalytics, putting us among the elite ESG performers in the mining industry. We are also ranked fourth overall in the industry through the Vigio third-party reporting methodology. 
Our focus is to ensure that we remain on the forefront of global best practice when it comes to sustainability performance and reporting. With that, I will turn it back over to Michael. Thanks for that, Sharon. And moving to slide 12, our organic growth. Over the next three years, we expect to deliver three new underground mines in attractive jurisdictions, all of which will leverage existing infrastructure. Concurrently, we look forward to expanding existing open pit operations at Hale and McRae's. Two of the three new underground mines will come online this year in New Zealand. Martha Underground, which we achieved first production in January ahead of schedule, and Golden Point Underground, which will achieve first production in the fourth quarter of this year. At Hale, we began preparing ourselves to commence portal development of the Hale Underground in the second half of this year, with first production expected in the fourth quarter of 2022. At WKP, although it is not contributing to the five-year plan, we are looking at opportunities to bring it forward in a responsible way. WKP represents a very good opportunity to develop a new high-grade, low-cost underground gold mine that will leverage the existing process plant at Waihee. Permitting and exploration is ongoing and setting the stage to realise the full potential of the Greater Waihee District well into the next decade. Turning to slide 13, I will iterate again how robust our organic growth pipeline is. While many of our peers are growing through M&A today, we are growing significantly through prudent investments in our opportunities that leverage existing infrastructure, personnel, and our track record as a responsible mining company. To that end, we are forecasting 75% higher production and 25% decreased costs over the next five years representing not only a production growth, but a margin growth. We also expect our growth investment to decrease over the next several years as we bring the organic growth pipe projects online, meaning we can then consider the allocation of capital to shareholder returns and deleveraging the balance sheet. Turning to slide 14, more specifically on 2021, we expect 20% higher production at a lower oil and sustaining cost from 2020, with strong production from Hale and Waihee. Our guidance has factored in risks that we continue to face across the company, specifically related to the ongoing global pandemic, which is still being actively managed, particularly at Hale. We have laid on additional risks related to weather delays at Hale, given the year we've just had last year, and resulting in lower mining movements and reduced production. The good news for this year is that mining of the higher grades at Hale is slated for the first half of the year. We have a healthy capital budget that will sustain production levels and allow for growth over the year, over the near, medium and long term. Subject to any potential to accelerate the WKP project, we believe this year is our peak capital year particularly for growth capital as we bring on our significant organic growth projects over the next few years. Exploration will continue to be one of our main drivers for growth, particularly in New Zealand, where we see multiple opportunities to convert inferred resource and extend mineralisation, especially at WKP. I will now turn the presentation over to Jim Whitaker, 
our Executive General Manager at Hale Operations to go through Hale. Thank you very much, Jim. Thank you, Michael. We have made significant improvements in mining and milling productivity at Hale this year, as well as step changes in retaining and training personnel and project development. We continue to view Hale as a plus 200,000 ounce producer at a life of mine ASIC of less than $900 per ounce. We're on the right path and acutely focused on ensuring Hale achieves its full potential, particularly as we execute on development of our underground opportunities. Before we review the 2021 outlook, I would like to point out that our focus on health and safety has gone very well. Amidst the global COVID-19 pandemic last year, we cut our accident frequency by half and delivered a record year of safety performance. The health and well-being of our employees is a top priority for us, and we remain focused on maintaining a safe operating environment for our workers and contractors. Looking ahead to 2021, we are focused on delivering on our commitments, and our 2021 guidance was developed with that in mind. We expect to produce more gold year over year at Lower ASIC. We have provided you with more granularity on the operation to deliver these expectations, including our estimates of mining and milling rates, grades and recoveries, which are appropriately conservative given the last two years of operations. Turning to slide 16. What I can share with you is that 2020 was a challenging year. It was an extraordinary year from a weather and a health perspective and sometimes the best laid plans don't work out as seamlessly as you would like. Site recorded rainfall that was one of the highest on record and 25% higher than the 35-year average. In addition, the global COVID-19 pandemic set in and it ravaged South Carolina and Hale's local communities. Nearly all of our 500-plus workforce have had to spend two weeks in precautionary quarantine. This is in line with our COVID management policies to limit the spread of the virus in the workplace. Out of those 500 plus precautionary quarantines, 63 positive cases of COVID have been diagnosed. Thankfully, all have recovered and notably our strict protocols in place have prevented the spread at site thus far. The weather and COVID-19 disruption in workforce resulted in haul truck utilization rates of 57% of available time in 2020, which was much lower than our expectations for the year. And we now have a mine plan whose success is extremely sensitive to us achieving our mining advance rates. That said, we are focusing on what we can control and we have the right work streams in place to mitigate these risks moving forward and deliver on our current and long-term expectations. For example, when it comes to weather, our constant focus on haul roads, ramp design improvements, hit dewatering tactics, and in bench stumps have dramatically improved our ability to work through inclement weather periods. This is reflected by the steady increase in mining rates despite the excessive rainfall and absenteeism. And through our workforce turnover rates have decreased significantly we continue to actively recruit to mitigate this turnover and illness-related absenteeism. 
COVID continues to be a challenge for us in 2021. As of early February, we have 24 new positive COVID cases among our workforce, and we continue to manage this risk. And to date, given our strict health and cleaning protocols in place, we have prevented the spread of COVID at site. Turning to slide 17. Despite the impediments we faced in 2020, the team has kept the operation moving forward in all aspects of mine activity and project development. We achieved total mining movement of 38 million tons in 2020, up over 50% from 2019, and concurrently reduced mining costs by 25%. The commissioning of the 19 new Komatsu 730E trucks helped with this initiative and effectively increased hauling haulage capacity by 30%. With reduced impacts to operations from external factors, we would expect to move a lot more material, which provides upside for production and unit costs in 2021 and beyond. We attribute ongoing improvements in mining productivity to haul road construction, increasing truck loading, achieving constant availability, and improving manageable utilization. As you'll see on slide 18, process plant milling rates and associated costs have also improved significantly. The plant's performance have benefited from the planned expansion to increase milling throughputs and the installation of the ISO mill in mid-2019. Full year 2020 mill feed achieved 3.5 million tons from the 3.2 million tons the year before. And at times, we were hitting annualized run rates of 3.9 to 4 million tons. Recoveries also improved materially over 2019, averaging 80% at significantly lower feed grades and milling costs decreased 9% year over year. Wet in circuit material proved to be a challenge for us, particularly in the fourth quarter, giving the wet material from ore mining in the bottom of snake phase two and drove down our annual average milling rate. However, we do not view this as an issue that we can't manage or which we would have a material impact to operations. 2020 figures over prior years results show significant improvements across the board. Total material mine increased, ore mine increased, mill feed increased, recoveries generally improved, and costs improved. Turning now to slide 19. Progress we've made from improving mining and milling productivity helps us to deliver an optimized near-term and life-of-mine plan. For 2021, over 60% of production is expected to be delivered in the first half of the year as we complete ore mining in snake phase two and reach higher grade ore portions of Leadbetter phase one. We expect to continue development of Leadbetter Phase 2 and Hale Phase 1 and transition to ore mining in Mill Zone Phase 2 in the second half of the year. The optimized life of mine plant at Hale will require additional tailing storage capacity and PEG storage facilities to ensure we have matched site infrastructure with material balances. We expect to invest 60 to $70 million in these areas this year while continuing to simultaneously advance the development of the Hale Underground. Over the life of mine, the capital investment will ensure Hale can achieve its full potential and more. We envision Hale as a plus 200,000 ounce producer 
at sub $900 ASIC. The near-term capital investment supports this vision and generates attractive life of mine free cash flows, particularly through the expansion of the asset underground as you see on slide 20. We finalized the optimization of the Hale Underground Feasibility Study last year, including pursuit of a bottom-up mining approach with cemented rock backfill. Surface infrastructure contracts have been issued for construction and portal development to access the horseshoe ore body in Q3. First soap production is on track and expected by fourth quarter of 2022. We see an exciting underground future for Hale, supplementing the open pit operations and it is our desire to increase the life of the underground project through the drill bit. Turning to slide 21. The future of Hale is underground as we continue to explore and envisage matching the underground life of mine with the open pit life of mine. Transition to underground mining results in minimal additional surface disturbance, the ability to use waste to backfill, the decreased need for more peg waste dumps, improved operational flexibility, and extends the life of mine. As you can see, Horseshoe Underground is one of several underground exploration targets at Hale, which was recognized as part of the original due diligence. These targets stretch over one kilometer from Horseshoe in the east to Palomino in the southwest. In 2016, we drilled off the upper portion of Horseshoe with some excellent results that we now have converted to a reserve of approximately a half a million ounces, along with substantial inferred component still to be converted at deeper levels. Significant extensions to Horseshoe also remain to be tested, as highlighted on the figure on the left with approximately 64 meters at 15 grams per ton of coal. Palomino was the next opportunity to be drilled with a substantial inferred resource of approximately 600,000 ounces being booked in early 2020. As part of this work, we also identified the horseshoe extension targets, formerly snakeshoe, and Pisces targets with excellent drill intercepts, in addition to the large conceptual targets still to be tested called Aquarius. Each of these substantial opportunities will be advanced over the next several years. The company is in the final stage of the supplemental environmental impact statement process to expand the hill operation. We are expecting the imminent release of the draft SEIS document from the Army Corps of Engineers, who will be quickly progressing a virtual 45-day comment period for the public. The SEIS will allow continued development of the existing hill footprint, expansion of the TSF and PAG cells, and development of the Hale Underground. To date, there have been no objections by any stakeholder group to the SEIS, and at this stage, the company anticipates receipt of a record of decision after the comment period and completion of this process by mid-year. It has been my pleasure to share the many exciting activities we have going on at Hale, and I'll now turn it over to David Wei, our Executive General Manager for New Zealand and the Philippines to review our McCrae's and Wahi operations and the organic growth. Thank you, Jim, and hello, everyone. I'll spend the next few slides reviewing our Macrae's and Wahi operations in New Zealand, a jurisdiction that we intimately know and in which we have operated successfully in for over three decades. 
beginning of the craze, it's an asset that continues to be an attractive source of free cash in our portfolio, given the relatively low capital intensity and industry-leading mining and processing unit costs. For 2021, we expect increased production with our guidance range between 155 and 165,000 gold ounces at an all-in sustaining cost of approximately $1,100 per ounce. Without any hedging at McRae's, we expect it to be a substantial source of free cash flow after investment to deliver the mine life extensions that we announced in 2020. Turning to slide 24. In the second half of 2020, we announced the mine life extension at McRae's, including our expectation to produce over 1 million ounces at all in sustaining costs of approximately $1,000 per ounce through 2028. The development of Golden Point Underground and additional open pit opportunities at Deepdale, Innes Mills and Gaitan are the primary sources for the extension. As you can see, we have additional open pits sequenced over the next five years, including the Stage 1 Round Hill Open Pit, which is a smaller open pit at Round Hill for which we do not require to relocate the process plant. Moving on to slide number 25. Golden Point Underground development is well underway with first gold production expected in the fourth quarter of this year. Eventually, Golden Point Underground will replace production from Fraser's Underground. Portal development commenced at the end of the fourth quarter of 2020 after receiving key permits. Receipt of these consents for both Golden Point and the open pit opportunities is a testament to our track record of environmental stewardship and social engagement in the region. Turning to slide 26. Our focus today is on delivering the current life of mine ore sources through 2028, while continuing to evaluate other brownfield opportunities within the McRae's district. We are currently accelerating our exploration focus at McRae's to convert resources to reserves. Better define our assets in development and deliver the enormous potential we see today. Turning to Waihe and the development of Martha Underground on slide 27. We were pleased to announce first production after advancing nearly seven and a half kilometers of development in 2020. First gold production was achieved at the very end of 2020, and we will continue to ramp up mining to steady state mining rates as the year progresses. We will continue to batch process in the first quarter ahead of the planned mill shutdown in March to install a new SAG mill shell, which remains on schedule for completion in the late second quarter as originally planned. Once back on, we will have continuous production at Martha Underground. As previously forecast, we expect Waihee to produce between 35 and 45,000 ounces of gold in 2021. 
Ramp up of gold production will continue, and we expect a steady state production rate of 90 to 100,000 gold ounces per year. Turning to slide 28. Development of the Martha Underground continues to progress on budget and on schedule. And in our view, this is a producing asset with significant upside potential. Following our successful 2020 infill drill campaign, we converted inferred resources and increased Mark's indicated resource by 36% to 1 million ounces of gold, grading 5.2 grams per tonne. We also revised the operations exploration target to 5 to 7 million tonnes with a grade of 4 to 5 grams per tonne gold. To date, we have added ounces to the resource at an all-in cost of $20 per ounce. We expect to drill an additional 27,000 metres at Martha Underground, with a focus on resource conversion and extension in 2021, as well as complete a feasibility study, including an initial mineral reserve by the end of the first quarter of this year. Turning to slide 29. Located 10 kilometres to the north of Waihi, we continue to believe that WKP will grow into a multi-million ounce deposit. And our recent drill results from the 2020 program highlight this. WKP is a major discovery with a resource of 1.1 million ounces, grading between 12 and 13 grams per tonne based on only 35,000 metres of drilling thus far. In 2020, the company completed approximately 4,000 metres of extensional and infill drilling of the East Graben vein to further delineate the resource. The East Graben vein is only one of three currently identified major mineralized structures at WKP. And drilling to date has identified in excess of a thousand metres strike and a current vertical extent of at least 200 metres. The East Graben vein system remains open in multiple directions. Our next mineral resource update for WKP is expected in mid-2021. However, it's important to note that we believe that drilling at WKP will continue for several more years and beyond, including throughout production. Thus far, we have added ounces at an all-in cost of approximately $17 per ounce, similar to the team's performance to date at Martha. And in 2021, we expect to use two rigs to complete a 10,500-metre drilling campaign with a focus on infill drilling at the East Graben vein and extensional drilling for all three major mineralized structures at WKP. Moving on to slide 30. As shown on the slide, the resource consenting process is a critical path item to advancing our organic growth projects at YE. The resource consenting process is highly prescriptive, which is a good thing. More importantly, we have intimate knowledge of it and the regulator, along with the stakeholders, know Oceana Gold as a successful, responsible mining company that takes no shortcuts and is engaging with key stakeholders throughout the permitting process. 
We ticked off the consenting process last year with the start of stakeholder engagement and feedback processes, along with finalising scope elements and assessment of project impacts. These engagement and assessment activities are expected to continue into the first half of 2021, leading to a formal consent application submission to the Hodaki District and Waikato Regional Councils by early 2022. This is followed by a four month open comment period when the regulators review and engage on all submitted concerns and ultimately the council submits its recommendation with a hearing and decision over the next five weeks. Once a decision is made, there is a six week appeal period when anyone who has been involved in the process can appeal a decision. From there, any appeals can involve engagement between the company and the appealing party. If there is no resolution in this way, then the matter goes before the Environment Court of Appeals for further hearings and a decision. This process could take up to 12 months. Our base case assumption is based on the permitting process proceeding to the Environment Court for the full duration of 12 months and puts first production from WKP at 2026. We're investigating opportunities where we can responsibly bring underground operations at WKP into our five-year plan. Whenever WKP is in production, it will be a major contributor of free cash flows to the business and socio-economic benefits for New Zealand. We have estimated over 300 jobs for the communities in the Coromandel, along with a significant amount of in-country investments. We are also looking at WKP being a state-of-the-art operation, potentially utilising an all-electric mining fleet. With that, I will now turn the presentation back over to Michael to discuss the DIPIO and our company's long-term vision. Thank you, David, and thanks for the overview on the exciting growth ahead of us in New Zealand. Moving on to slide 31. The DPO and its potential restart represents one of the most significant near-term catalysts for the company. The DPO is a world-class operation with a fantastic Filipino workforce and one, of the most, uh, and one of the most responsible mining operations on the planet. We believe the DPO has been and can continue to be a significant source of jobs, social development, taxes and revenues that are critical to contributing to the Philippines' COVID-19 recovery. However, the timeline for renewal is uncertain despite several positive meetings held prior to the 2020 year end. We appreciate the patience of our shareholders have had with this process and I share your frustrations, but our resolve remains strong to restart operations and include it in the five-year plan and beyond. Turning to slide 32. With the permanent layoff of the majority of the workforce in the second half of 2020, our expected timeline for resumption to full operations has now extended up to 12 months, primarily driven by the considerable time and effort required to rehire and retrain our highly skilled Philippine workforce. We remain in dialogue with the appropriate representatives at national and local levels on the renewal status. And currently our understanding is that the FTAA renewal remains with the Department of Finance for signature before re-endorsement to the Office of the President. In the meantime, 
we are maintaining the depot in a state of operational standby, planning for the transition to full production when the renewal comes through. Once fully ramped up, the DPI will produce approximately 10,000 ounces of gold and 1,000 tonnes of copper per month at a at first quarter all-in sustaining costs. In summary, we're focused on what's to come. We are confident of our organic growth delivering real value over the long term, and that is critical to creating shareholder value. Turning to slide 34, the future of Oceana Gold is in two attractive jurisdictions, New Zealand and the Americas. Progressing our most promising organic growth projects in these regions is expected to deliver significant growth, low cost production within the next five years. And this includes building three underground mines and expanding existing open pits while continuing to explore the Greater Waihi District. On slide 35, Oceana Gold is a resilient and dynamic gold miner with a strong and sustainable future. And although our current valuation certainly does not reflect this, our organic growth pipeline is one of the best in the industry and represents decades of opportunity for our company. My team and I look forward to delivering that value. Thank you and now back to Sam. Thank you, Michael. So that concludes the formal presentation segment of this webcast. I will now turn it over to the moderator to facilitate the Q&A session. Over to you, Sylvie. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will then hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. And then should you wish to withdraw your question, simply press star followed by two. And if you are using a speakerphone, we ask that you please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Please go ahead and press star one now if you have any questions. And your first question will be from Levi Spry at JP Morgan. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning, uh, Michael and Sam. Thanks, thanks for the call and uh, all of the detail, which I'm still to work my way through, but maybe just two questions on costs and then one on funding. So um, firstly, hails. So, just the, the longer term target of 200,000 ounces at $900 an ounce all in sustaining cost. When is that, um, when does that come through? Can you just talk me through that a little bit? Yeah, thanks Levi. And um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, information and um, trying to sort of, you know, give the, uh, the runway of, uh, of what we're doing with regards to the organic. We'll find that as we sort of move through uh, this year, with regards to sort of understanding the impacts and where we are. Um, the, the idea is bringing the underground online is to, to get to that sustainable 200,000 uh, ounce production. Uh, and as we bring the underground and the higher grade, as we open up the open pits. So we'll see that in the next couple of years and then uh, we'll continue that, um, that process going forward. Yep, so we're still sort of a bit of difficulty in matching the 43101 slightly higher production rates out further. Um, yep, okay, I'll work my way through that. Um, costs at at um, costs at at at, at um, Wahi. Um, so in the PEA for WKP, I think you talked about 627 or sustaining costs. Can you just kind of put that in context? And again, you know how that profile might look over the next over the five years? 
Yeah, as we sort of ramp up the uh, the Martha Underground, so you'll see that this this year's cost is predominantly based on really only putting half, uh, well, less than half, um, about 400, uh, around that 380,000 tonnes through the process plan of a process plant that can build up to uh, 1.2 million tonnes. So, so as we ramp up the, the Martha Underground, uh, you'll see those costs coming down. Um, then we'll start including the Gladstone Open Pit. Uh, so that uh, that'll take the sort of the processing abilities up to that 1.6, and then WKP comes in on top of that. So WKP will have the the ramp up of the uh, from 2026 first production that'll be ramped up um, over a year year and a half uh, before it gets into full production. Then those uh, those costs are coming through. Yep. Okay. Thank you. And. Um and just one on the, on the funding though for Scott. So, so there's an extra 50 available in the facility. I assume you'll draw that pretty soon. Um, confirming are there any CPs or anything related to that? And just also confirming, does that mean there's nothing due until December 24? What are your requirements in, in, the, in the meantime? Yeah, yeah, hi Lido, thanks for that. Um, look, yeah, there's no CPs, um, that's, that's uh, the revolving credit facility available for us to draw. Um, you know, all going well. Uh, we, we shouldn't need to, to draw that anytime soon, but it's available there, and that's the intent to have it available so we can uh, be flexible in our approach moving forward. Okay, thanks. And so, and that's um, what is drawn is due December 24. There's nothing in between. Uh, is that right? That's right, yes. Full, uh, fully, full repayment. December 24. Great, thank you. Thanks Thanks for taking my questions. Thank you. Thank you. As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a question, please slowly press star followed by one on your touchstone phone. And your next question will be from Habib Ovas at Scotia Bank. Please go ahead. Hi, Michael and team, and uh, thanks for taking my questions. And uh, obviously, thank you for uh, providing all this uh, detailed uh, guidance. Um, I've got several questions, so I just might ask a couple and then pass it over uh, to the rest of the people on the call. My first question just uh, on hail, um, obviously you had a really strong quarter um, with the high grades uh, coming in. Uh, is that, you know, you, you've talked about that's expected to continue into the first half. Should we, um, you know, assume um, that that's going to continue as as similar kind of grades into Q1 and Q2. Um, can you give us a little bit of color on that? Yeah, certainly. So the um, the 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 getting to the uh, the better grades did uh, did happen. Um, what we'll find is that um, you know sixty percent of that grade will come out in the first half with the sort of second quarter. Uh, I suppose um, higher than the first quarter is, uh, is what we're sort of looking at as we sort of square up some of the phases that we've been working on at the end of last year. And, and then just uh, on that, should we then assume uh, a first half weighted year uh, in terms of consolidated production as well, or does YE kind of replace some of the, um, you know, lower production in from Hale uh, in, in, in the second half? Yeah, that's correct. So why he sort of really ramps up in that second half um, of the period and replaces some of the Hales production in the first half. McRae's is pretty well a steady game all the way through. Got it. And, and, and then just uh, sticking with Hale, um, this question might just uh, be directed to Jim then. 
Um, you know, in terms of contingency, obviously, you know, it looks like you you added in some contingency for COVID and weather um, uh, for 2021 guidance. Now, can you give us any sort of color in terms of, you know, what kind of contingencies are placed for downtime or absenteeism or even equipment uh, availability, you know, you compared to what you saw in 2020? Yeah, hi, sure. Thanks for that question. Um, these are things that we've worked on a lot, learning a lot from the 2020 year and then taking it into where we wanted to position guidance for 2021. There's two main issues there. Um, one is looking at what the fleet can do. Obviously, there's a lot of variables that affect utilization. Um, the availability isn't uh, really too much for concern through this fleet because it's new and also in the plant, it's fairly constant, but it's actually the utilization of the equipment that we're focused on. Um, that's affected uh, one by weather, it's also affected by where we are in the ore body. As Michael mentioned, you know, going to an underground is going to give us an optional phase with a higher grade, um, but we will continue to dig through the upper parts of hail uh, into the 2023 year, and then it'll be really widened out. We'll be able to really push the productivities of the open pit, and as Michael said, as well as having the underground as a feed. So a, a lot of the concern that we've had when we set guidance is around the total utilization of the property, what we see as material characteristics, and also what we see as last year with respect to weather, and uh, and then under the shadow of, of COVID uh, affecting and uh, and pushing us to think of new ways that we can handle absenteeism through the uh, through the operation. And 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 just I mean in terms of you know the downtime, I mean we saw downtime approximately about 60 days last year. Is that kind of similar to what you're expecting in uh, 2021? Yes, that was a factor that we used uh, through to the guidance um, was the, the total downtime that we'd see on the site, both in the mine and also possibly in the plant as well. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Jim. And, and just uh, my last question before I uh, pass it on, um, just moving on to Didipio, um Obviously, you've talked about having several meetings with uh, the Philippines government officials in December. Now, is there any kind of part of the negotiation that's pending, you know, what I'm basically asking is, you know, have the office of the president come back with any additional demands or, or, or any other, other negotiations that, that are pending? Look, thanks, Arais, and it's, a, it's an interesting question. Um, the technical working group um, that was put together um, by, the, uh, by the different departments on the instruction of the office of the president, the president, uh, have worked with us over that uh, over that festive period. Um, currently, what we're seeing more so is uh, is is clarification and uh, and further information um, that's being sought by by the government uh, bodies, not necessarily um, changing to the to the negotiated terms. So um, that's what we're currently seeing, and uh, and that's sort of the conversations that we're having backwards and forwards at this point in time. Got it. Okay. Thanks a lot again, guys, and um, you know, thanks for taking my questions. And I'll jump back in the queue. Thanks, so guys. Thank you. Again, as a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have any questions, please slowly press star followed by one, ensuring that you hear the tone after pressing each keys. And your next question will be from Mike Parker at National Bank. Please go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, just a, one question. Um, 
with the water at Hale in terms of rainfall exceeding what the technical report was based on, do you see any need for additional discharge capacity uh, for what's accumulating in the tailings facility or any need to kind of bring forward additional tailings lifts um, to accommodate for the capacity of the excess water that you've kind of experienced year to date? Or not year to date, to date? Yeah, look, thanks, and, Mike. Um, um, well, yeah, Jim, do you want to ask this one? Uh, sorry, Michael. Sure. That that's actually a great question. It's and it and it uh, is in line with a couple of very important kind of triggering projects that we have currently ongoing and that are part of the 43101. With respect to the tailings, yes, uh, it is a uh, target of ours to reduce the water in the tailings, and that actually pushes off capital future lifts. Um, that is currently in the 43101. And that is based around a, an in-pond evaporation system we're currently designing and that will have running in Q3 of this year. And that will effectively start to evaporate at a higher rate of water and tailings. The other part of the question of the water that is in the mine and, and in the ponds and in the pits, uh, that's also something with, that we manage on a daily basis, but it also requires an expansion of the existing water treatment plant that is also currently in the capital plan for 2021. All right, thanks for that. Any further questions, Mike? No, oh, that's it for me. Thanks very much. Thank you. At this time, we have no other phone questions. Oh, thank you, Alfred. There's a couple of questions that have been forwarded to us um, from different means. So the first one here, which I'll read out, <clears throat> is uh, related to the five-year plan. Uh, basically states here that it looks like a very compelling uh, five-year plan with, with uh, production going in the right direction and costs going down. Um, what, um, based on, on this here, what, is the, what are other factors that could improve the um, this chart that you show in the um, repeatedly in the in the presentation thanks Sam uh, and thanks to whoever sent the question through uh, it is a compelling um, profile and it's something that we're working on and, and continuing to try and improve uh, the two catalysts that uh, I mentioned that weren't in the plan is the Didipio uh, restart, which will have a significant uh, step change to the uh, to the business and to the plan. And the other one that we're working on as well is to try and bring the YHE uh, WKP project uh, forward. And so, if we can uh, if we can work with the government uh, in a responsible uh, manner to look at um, fast tracking some portions of the plan and certainly get into the uh, into the development. Uh, that was shown in the um, in the development project plan. If we can bring that forward, then we can actually access the ore body uh, earlier and get that into the five-year plan. So they're the two catalysts that we're working uh, diligently on and continue to work on. Uh, it does show a very good margin, uh, growing margin as we sort of progress through the year, um, and then certainly you know working with the uh, the underground and the open pit uh, to improve the efficiencies. Uh, and the productivities is the other part of the plan. Thank you. Uh, Michael, next question here is related to WKP expiration. 
um, says here that much of the drilling to date has been focused on the East Graben vein. Uh, what are the plans to drill out the other veins? Uh, and more broadly, what are the plans for, for the exploration program at WKP over the next several years? Yeah, look, that's a, that's a very good question. And we have been focusing on, on building the reserve around WKP, which, is, uh, which has been sort of the major, major focus that we have got. Uh, I'll, Craig, I'll hand that question over to you to uh, probably add a bit more colour to the uh, exploration plan that we do have in that uh, in that district in that uh, fantastic deposit. Not too sure. So, um, so with that, I don't think Craig's on the line at this point in time. So. So with the Eastern Graben vein, there is the, the multiple veins off that to the, uh, to the foot wall of the vein. And so we will continue, um, continue exploring um, those as we, uh, as we do it. Um, and then stepping out for the T-stream and the, um, and the, uh, the Western Graben vein. So um, our, our process is to ensure that uh, from the platforms that we've currently got, we can actually uh, improve the confidence within the uh, within the resource to turn it to reserve, and then do the step out drillings as we move forward. So uh, I think this year we've got around about 28,000 metres or 38,000 metres planned, uh, and that will be a, com a combination of both um, uh, uh, reserve conversion drilling and expansional drilling. All right, thank you, Michael. Uh, next question here is just related to uh, to Didipio. Uh, specifically, can you comment on any changes to the support that you guys have from the community from the communities around the Didipio? Has it changed? Are they do they continue to be supportive? And what efforts are they making to um, push for the FTA renewal? Yes, again, thank you for that question. It is something that we're uh, we're, we're very cognizant of, um, and we have been working very, very um, well with the immediate community. Um, we, as everybody knows, uh, one of the focuses was on getting critical supplies to the mine to ensure the integrity of the mine, and that was um, and that has continued um, and continued with the assistance of the, the barangay captain and the council. So we're now in a position where we have got uh, a good supply of critical uh, fuel uh, at site. And so the community is still very supportive uh, and the community, um, you know, they're, they're heavily invested in getting the mine up and running. Um, they've written numerous times to the, the office of the president showing their support uh, and we have some great support from from uh, one of our um, one of the provinces, from both the uh, the governor and the congressman from one of the provinces that's supporting us as well. So, so happy and pleased to say that the the support has been continuing with the good work and the good good work and the good um, uh, relationships that we do have on the ground. So thanks very much. Thanks, Michael. Last one that I have here on the list is related to hedging. Uh, does the company plan on pursuing additional hedging programs going forward? At this point, um, no. We've uh, we've just come out of the hedging program for uh, for McRae's, and uh, we generally um, hedge at McRae's to to lock in the margins. Currently, I think we're we're all sort of um, 
looking at a, a higher gold price, albeit there's some volatility, but certainly a solid gold price in the future. But it's certainly something that we will continue to monitor. Um, but we don't have any um, we don't have any plans for uh, for continuing the hedging at this point in time. Okay. No. So, Michael, no, there's no questions on the queue. I haven't received any other questions. So that uh, concludes our webcast and conference call. A replay will be made available on our website later today. On behalf of Michael, Scott, Mark, Sharon, David, Mark, uh, Craig, and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. Bye for now. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this does indeed conclude your call for today. Once again, thank you for attending, and at this time, we do ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.